0: Good morning, everyone. This is Paul Cerro from Cedar Grove Capital. Today is Tuesday, September 27th, and we are here to talk about our most recent post, of why Petco is a better ROI than Chewy. So, Petco has been a big COVID beneficiary given the exponential growth and adoptions during the pandemic. This significant growth led to virtually increased spending in all categories, consumables, accessories, veterinary care, insurance, etc. With big name public players like Chewy and Petco, it might be difficult to understand which company is actually the better investment to take on the pet, uh, the pet health and wellness space for the long term based on how each market itself. So full disclosure, uh, I am Team Petco and I have voiced my opinion on that openly numerous times on Twitter and with recent posts um, which I've tagged in the article below um, and even spoke about with uh, Chit Chat money. But because of that, I don't want you to think this post is just me taking a crap on Chewy, it's not. This post will highlight exactly why I think it is based on business fundamentals, financials, and the growth strategy. For the Chewy Bulls, perhaps this post helps change your mind or perhaps I'm missing something and you can comment below to possibly change my mind. The same applies to those for or against Petco. So let's get things started. Let's start with the overall pet industry. So the pet industry breakdown. So to kick things off, I think it's critical to understand not only the current state of the pet industry, but where it is going. Without truly understanding this, you're not grasping the full picture and can possibly miss out on the thesis changing information. So let's start off with a few facts that many might know, but some might not. First, there are a ton of pets in American households with recent household penetration of 67%. This is up from 56% in 1988, and most recently 65% in 2015. So in total, there's about 85 million household pets in America. With so many households having pets, you need to know one big picture. Americans love spending money on their pets. I cannot stress that enough. In 2010, the total money spent on pets was roughly $45.5 billion. Within the next decade, this spending has mushroomed to $103.6 billion annually. The biggest annual increase was between 2017 and 2018, when spending quickly jumped from $69.5 billion to $90.5 billion, a growth of 30%. The average pet-owning household spends $1,100 on their pets each year, with 40% of that budget going toward food and treats, and 35.7% going toward medical and veterinary care. This significant growth in pet spending has really been driven by two things. One, newer pet owners delaying having kids and opting for getting dogs or cats first, and two, treating or loving their pet more than they do their own family members. To put this into perspective, four in 10 pet parents surveyed by one poll, about 42%, said they've actually gotten their fur baby as a starter child, using the animal as a test to see if they're ready for kids. Additionally, to point number two, researchers found that 57% of millennials love their pet more than their own sibling. Half of them said that the same thing about their mother, and 30% shows a pet over their significant other. And for those of you listening in, I've actually included a nice little infographic um, that you might want to take a look at that highlights um, you know, how much uh, millennials love their pets more than certain family members, um, which family members they actually love less than their pet, uh, et cetera. So I'd actually recommend you go and check it out. This all matters because it trickles down to everything that involves pet ownership. Not just the traditional basic needs. If you want to apply basic human psychology here, if you'd rather have a four-legged child and love said four-legged child more than your own family, there are a lot of areas that you'll be spending money on historically. Traditional spending has was more geared towards food, treats, toys, home goods, and basic veterinary care. However, due to parents' love, additional spending now incorporates things like technology, cameras, toys, collars, etc., accessories like clothing. Uh, pet insurance, Um, DTC offerings such as premium pet food, medication, and genetics, and services like dog walking, sitting, training, daycare, grooming, etc. Prime example, pet owners spent $490 million on Halloween costumes alone in 2021. So basically a lot of categories have compounded over the last 5-6 to years. There's a Medium post that visually outlines the landscape if you want to read further. I've included the link in the post. This generational shift in how pet owners are handling pet ownership also translates to the digital age. Buying pet supplies online is a preferred shopping method for 77% of millennials, the biggest demographic of pet owning parents. In 2018, online sales of pet products only reached an estimated 9.5 billion. However, this field currently has one of the fastest growing rates of any channel. By 2023, e-commerce is expected to double its share and make up 26% of the total pet market. Without making this an industry deep dive, what you need to take away from this section is one, there are tens of millions of households that have pets. Two, Americans are choosing pets over having kids. Three, pet parents love their pets more than their own flesh and blood. Four, industry tailwind support for their pet expenditure. So with the basics of the industry, start. let's start sacking up Petco and Chewy. We'll kick it off with um, uh, analyzing their businesses. So since we touched a bit on the pet industry, now we need to address the needs of the pet owner and how the two companies stack up with one another when it comes to capturing more share of their wallet. When I first was writing this draft, I started writing about how each's value propositions differ and you know, yada, yada, yada. Truth be told, all the points were easy enough for a fifth grader to understand or a golden retriever. Waste of space and time. The conclusion that I came to is that instead of writing it all out, each company's products and services offerings can easily be shown in just one visual. And for those of you listening, on, uh, listening to this, I've included a chart that outlines Petco, PetSmart, and Chewy, and basically all their, their business offerings, other so services like shipping, um, you know, grooming, adoption, veterinary care, telehealth training, um, what type of goods they have, whether it's pr- branded, private label, um, any type of loyalty programs, et cetera. So I would highly recommend you take a look at that because it's very easy to see and compare and contrast. So the list more or less maps out all the categorical needs of a pet owner. And as you can see, Petco offers way more than Chewy does. And to beef up my point, I even threw Petsmart in there. So how does Petco capture more share of a pet parent's wallet over Chewy? One word, ecosystem. So what do I mean by ecosystem? The easiest comparison I can make is Apple. Apple offers a suite of products and services that keeps its customers loyal to its brand by making them a part of one ecosystem. Every product thinks its way back to iOS, and the value proposition you get from going to one source pays off laptops, tablets, watches, headphones, speakers, etc. So, why do I make this comparison to Apple? Well, it's not because I believe Petco be- can become a true trillion dollar company, like not even close. It's just a concept that many can easily refer to. Come for one, stay for another. I've chosen this example because I've said it a thousand times already with my research, tweets, and interviews, and I'll say it another thousand more times. Americans would rather go to one place for shopping. Pet goods and services are not like shopping for electronics. You can go to Walmart for a TV, Target for Xbox, and Best Buy for a new sound system. That consumer decision is mainly driven by price sensitivity. But wait just a minute. I'm not just saying that there's something unique here between the products of Petco and Chewy, but what I'm saying is that they have a service that helps with keeping customers with them, aka boosting long-term value. The first basic level of granularity comes from an auto-ship service. It's simple to understand. You just have items that get delivered to you on a regular basis automatically. This helps companies with recurring revenue and supply chain forecasting. In return, the company gives you 5% off for doing so. Petco, PetSmart, and Chewy offer the same rate. Considering that most recurring items purchased by pet owners are food and treats and medicine, so think flea and Tick, getting 5% off just to have it come on a regular basis from one place is ideal for those that don't want a headache and wants to save some money. This has directly led to Chewy reporting auto-ship customer sales of $1.78 billion in Q2 2022, and it made up 73.1% of net sales in the quarter. Petco doesn't disclose how much auto ship is a part of the business, but it says that its recurring revenue programs are up 54% year over year. Here's where Petco has a leg up, though. They have another layer of granularity for a membership plan, which is called Vital Care. It's a $20 monthly membership fee, but you get additional perks that you can otherwise wouldn't have from a basic auto ship option. I talk about this in a separate post on how much power the Vital Care offering has to the financial health of Petco, and I've included the link below. I won't be going over it during this post just because it is its own separate post, um, but I encourage you to take a look and read it. So during the Goldman Sachs retail conference, a Goldman Sachs analyst asked how Petco views AutoShip in relation to another quote-unquote competitor, which they were hinted to Chewy, and what role Vital Care plays in that. The company responded, but my guess is that we're actually very, very close to very competitive as far as the percentage of our revenues that fit within our auto ship competitive repeat delivery. So we like that business. We like Vital Care a lot. Vital Care is proving to be our number one most profitable customers, something like 3.5 times higher LTV than our regular customer because of the rewards they get from it." End quote. Um, I will repeat my article again for uh, since you can just read it on your own. But the gist is, and this is another another quote from them: uh, the average pet pair can save over three hundred dollars annually. This is from Vital Care, and from Petco's standpoint, we capture far greater share of wallet with around thirty percent of Vital Care customers new to food and forty percent new to services, both up from their first version of Vital Care. End quote. So Vital Care premium membership helps keep customers within the ecosystem, more than just traditional auto ship, which has assisted in Petco having 24.7 million active customers as of Q2 2022. This is up from 24.4 million in Q1 and 24.1 million in Q4 21 So it's, it's, it's just gone up over the last three quarters. Um, if we compare it to Chewy's current 20.5 million, this is actually down from 20.6 million in Q1 2022 and down from 20.7 million in Q4 21. So, this is all despite Chewy having a head start online. And I've included a, uh, a chart below to shows um, Chewy's active customers um, since fiscal year 17 and how it's been trending upwards and unfortunately slowing down and going down. So, these two points, AutoShip and Vital Care alone, offer the ability for the average pet parent to take advantage of other services within Petco stores that Shoei simply cannot offer. And I've also included a flywheel that you can see from Petco where they state that over 54% of pet parents prefer a one-stop shop uh, experience and how uh, Petco's ability to offer many different services in many different categories uh, can build multi-channel loyalty. So Petco is a retailer first, Right, and an e-commerce player second, but they understand that an omni-channel approach is the future. Chewy can't do this because they all have no retail arm. Almost no GTC-founded retail company has found that an online-only model works. Not Allbirds, not Warby Parker, not Rent the Runway, etc. They have uh, tried to stay online, but they have all opened up physical locations. So Chewy does have a product-market fit, but it inherently is limited. Um, So calling up a quote here, uh, services are such a differentiator versus online and max competitors and pet parents who see the value in our training, veterinary services and grooming. This is from Petco, by the way, they also act as a feeder for Petco and into a broader health and wellness ecosystem, including OTC solutions, uh, prescription food, prescription medicines and insurance, end quote. So with over 54% of pet parents wanting a one-stop shop experience, the obvious choice is Petco. From a pure business sense, while you can shop online at Chewy and Petco, the latter offers many other services that get sweeter when it's wrapped up around an auto ship or a vital care offering. But how does this translate financially? Let's talk about that. So if we look at financial comparisons, at face value, it seems that Chewy is the winner. They have significantly more sales, about 60% more on an LTM basis, so they've generated $9.46 $9.46 billion in the last 12 months versus Petco's $5.91 billion. And their growing top line uh, over the last 12 months nearly two times what Petco is at 16.57% versus 8.58%. This makes sense since buying pet supplies online is preferred shopping method for 77% of millennials. And I've also included a chart um, below looking at the last 12 months and how the gross margins and the EBIT margins compare. Um I will note that Chewy's uh, last 12 months gross profit margin is at 27% and Petco is at 41%. These are gross margins. This is like the next this is the this is the line item that's right below Cogs, right? This is how well they're doing based on COGS. And if we look at their EBIT margin, the last 12 months Petco has delivered 4.31% EBIT margins, and Chewy has delivered a negative 0.6% EBIT margin. So, I mean, I mean, like read the room here, but even then sales growth for Chewy has slowed down dramatically since COVID only barely keeping up, uh, keeping above low double digit percentages year over year. Petco is dealing with the same issue, but based on high single digit percentages and I've included a chart for you to see as well. So while sales are nice and all equity investors don't get paid based on sales, they get paid based on earnings. And this cannot be more true than in a non zero rate environment that we're currently in. So with so much quote unquote growth, how well has Chewy done generating earnings or even free cash flow? Pretty terribly is the answer. The thought behind Chewy being successful is that it will eventually get economies of scale, but this really hasn't been the case. Looking at the first 26 weeks of this year, Chewy has generated $143 million in adjusted EBITDA, which is a BS metric anyways, representing a 3% margin. On the flip side, Petco generated $275 million in adjusted EBITDA, representing a 9.3% margin. If we transition to free cash flow, Chewy generated a mere $7.8 million in the first 26 weeks versus Petco's negative $36 million. While this may seem like Chewy's doing better, let me remind you that in fiscal year 21, so the year that just ended, Chewy generated only $8.5 million in free cash flow versus Petco with $119 million. The reason Petco has generated less cash this year so far is because of capex and fixed assets, something that a physical retailer needs to spend on to grow out its network. But these are just face value numbers, so let me get a little bit more in depth on what such a disparity in profitability metrics. So here's a lowdown. Chewy made its mark by being the online DTC pet business model that countered the traditional in-store experience. At the time. This made sense since e-commerce was just getting off the ground in a meaningful way and many thought it would be the the future, and it still is. Chewy offered various different products and even wound up standard shipping times by offering a two-day shipping. So what did they have in a nutshell? They had convenience and speed. This all made sense in how they grew so quickly, but here are the problems with that, which is what I've been trying to highlight this whole time. Your growth is limited. Because you're online, you can only do or offer products and services that can be done online. You can't attract customers for a plethora of other things that pet parents need. The biggest one is veterinary care. While Chewy does offer telehealth services, it's an offering that is a simple Q&A and not prescribing level telehealth. Even its insurance offerings are from TruePanion and are not owned by Chewy. What real operating leverage can you create from this business? The answer is not much since the story here has always been about economies of scale. Here's where Peko comes in to eat its lunch, and why I have voiced over and over again why it's a better long-term bet. First off, shipping. So let's take shipping for example. Chewy added value to customers by being faster than traditional retail with two-day shipping. Sometimes, depending on where you are located, items would arrive in as little as one day. But here comes the problem. Shipping eats into margins and always has. But at this point, it's pretty much table stakes as a retailer. Can you imagine the cost of shipping on a 30-pound bag of dog food? If you're ordering a simple one, call it $55 for a 30-pound bag of dog food, and Chewy offers you free shipping on orders over $49, shipping and handling has to be at least 15 to 20% of that order. Like at least. So how is PECO different? Well, it leverages its retail space from multiple areas. First off, store fulfillment. So Petco doesn't need as many separate fulfillment centers to ship goods compared to Chewy because it just currently uses its own existing space to complete orders. So real estate optimization translates to savings. They also have same day delivery. So piggybacking off of the store fulfillment, Petco announced a partnership with DoorDash to offer same day delivery to its customers if they have it in a local store for free if that order is at least $35. So they're avoiding the costly shipping and handling costs, which also translates to savings. Three, store pickup. So while having pet stores, customers, or while having the pet stores, Petco can offer customers savings through their buy online and pick up in store, which is their BOPUS offering, um, which includes savings and reduced time. So as a consumer, you save time and you increase the chance. Uh, and from the Petco's perspective, you increase the chance to cross sell once you're there. Four, increase long-term value. This is different from average order value because you're increasing the earnings potential of your customer over time, and not just at one point in time. This comes from offering all those other businesses such as grooming, training, vet care, insurance, etc. So if you think about this rationally, and I really want you to think about this rationally, with no bias between Chewy or Petco, which company do you think has the most potential to convince a pet parent to go with them and to stay with them. Hopefully, you ha- you have come to the same conclusion that I have. So what's the bottom line here? Retailers are not dead, they just had to evolve. Petco has done this and executed very well so far. Chewy, on the other hand, has barely been able to generate adjusted profitability while generating almost $10 billion in sales. And honestly, if you can't generate profitability, and I mean true profitability, during peak times, so AKA COVID, which you know, brought in all these adoptions, et cetera, then you will most likely never will. Petco, however, has been able to generate profitability on all metrics recently, and has strategically planned on new initiatives like the DoorDash deal to expand margins. The strategic initiatives to invest more in the health and wellness side of pet ownership will reap rewards for years to come. Chewy has the quote-unquote tech aspect of it, despite it operating in virtually the same space as Petco. So when Chewy doubled off the recent June low and Petco only went up low double digits, I asked my other hedge fund friend why he thought this was happening, and he gave me the, the best response. He said, uh, quote, buy the dream, sell the execution, end quote. Some of the most annoying words someone has ever told me about an investment that I felt were some of the truest. So ask yourself this. Which business do you actually think is going to be the better one to own? Not speculate on, but own. Which one has the best business model to drive free cash flow per share growth in the future? And with that, you guys, um, this is Paul Serra from Cedar Grove Capital. Uh, Until next time, I appreciate you guys listening in and we'll be talking soon. Thanks.